Hi, and thanks for taking the time during this world crisis to still include this program in your daily life. Now, we usually jump right into episodes, but I just wanted to take a moment to say that your time is greatly appreciated. And if you or a loved one are trying to figure out some ways to find your way back to good health, just know that you're always in my heart. My hope is that this brings you joy, entertainment, and a much-needed escape during your forced solitude. Thank you again, and enjoy the show. There's a quote that's so famous that it's now borderline cliché. Expect the unexpected. I wish that someone had explained this to me before I started trying to decide where, how, and sometimes even with whom I was going to spend my life. See, when they asked me, sometime around when I started adding the word teen to the number of years I had, what my plan was for when I was grown I made a decision on it, right then and right there. And because I loved doing this and couldn't see myself doing anything else, I stuck to it. And I'm still building that very dream life today, the very one I started planning all those years ago. But nobody warned me about some of the other stuff life would start throwing at me. The things that, perhaps would make this journey, that plan that the teenage me thought would have me in a different tax bracket by this time. Nobody gave me a heads up. Nobody told me that two things, people and money, would be the primary cause of the unexpected and that I should expect that because I didn't. See, nobody told me that people will disappoint you The biggest mistake I've made and probably continue to make is expecting things of people simply because I know it'd be okay if they expected it of me. Nobody told me that it'd be hard, really hard, to find people who believe in you. I've been naive. I thought that it would be easy to find people to jump on board my vision train and ride with me sharing and building something great and basking with me in the glory of a good thing. That's not been the case. Nobody told me that the people closest to you may not be the biggest supporters. This one still surprises me. They will tell you that they support you, but not show up to your events or buy your products or even listen to a free podcast that you put out. Free! Of course, I don't have to worry about offending them. They're not listening. But you, you're here now, listening, supporting. Thank you. Nobody told me that people won't always be there. They'll have their own thing going on, their own lives, their own problems and they will choose to focus on something else that will take precedence over you. 
over your relationship. And it'll shock you because it will be abrupt because you won't see it coming. One day they'll be there and the next they'll have a whole other life that you're not part of. And you'll have to, you'll just have to swallow that. Nobody told me that money would dictate so many things from the way people see me to the way I sometimes see myself. I didn't know that having it provided freedom, sometimes even a confidence that not having it didn't and that not having it could sometimes equate to fear, lack of self-worth, lack of confidence. Even though I grew up without an abundance of it, money never occupied this much space in my mind before I had expectations, before I grew up. Nobody told me that it would seemingly avoid me as if I've done something personal to offend it. Believe me, I love it, but it's been a very emotionally abusive relationship thus far. I didn't expect any of this. I didn't expect that after this much time, these many years, I'd still have to admit that I have no idea what I'm doing. I really didn't expect that being grown would be so hard. I guess nobody told me that the unexpected can be a son of a bitch. But I guess I can also say that nobody told me that none of this, all of this unexpected shit that could really drag you down a dark and lonely path, nobody told me that one day you'll get to a point where none of it even matters. And that's because somebody once told me to read the Four Agreements, and I read it. And somebody told me to study the Tao Te Ching, and I did it. And somebody told me to meditate, so I do it. Somebody told me that things will be just fine because there will always be new people. You will always have another path, and you will always have just what you need right where you need it. Someone told me, relax, you'll be fine. So as far as expectations go, I don't expect anything anymore. Because in the words of another cliche saying, it is what it is. You can never really expect anything in particular. You'll be so riddled with anxiety that you'll never leave the expected comfort of wherever it is you're most comfortable. But your best bet is to know and find contentment in the anythingness of everything. Because life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. I'm Kayana Ebony Brown, and this is a story of music and men.
I stood at the window in my living room looking out at two guys in cargo pants and boots in front of my house, taking instruction from the man I'd shared an awkward late-night dinner with just a few days ago. The thing I quickly come to realize was that Gideon was a grown-up. But unfortunately for him, I was still in the process of becoming one. We were in two completely different places in our lives. So the day after our incredible bulk and beatbox experience, I told him that I didn't think we should see each other again. He agreed. But because he gave a solid quote and great references for his work, I agreed and told my dad that he would be the best person to address the issues of our retaining wall. He felt that, considering where I was, it was best that I had a wall in order to keep my property in the purest state possible and not have to concern myself with runoff and debris from bad storms and such. The wall I had, he said, would surely collapse soon. So he thought, for me, the buffer was very much needed and I couldn't disagree. My concentration, watching the men at work, was interrupted. Hey, uh, I'm headed out. You need anything? My father asked as he entered the room wearing blue hospital scrubs under his jacket, carrying a black duffel bag. He began putting on his scarf and coat as he waited for me to respond. I turned and gave him my full attention. Uh, no, I'm good, thanks. He looked at me as if gauging my current mood or disposition. And then, once his coat was on, he finally said, Hey, listen, I know I've never introduced you to anybody before, so this is all still, you know, new to you. Dad, I get it. You're dating. It's cool. You're an adult, okay? (laughs) I don't mean that, he said. And then he stopped and really looked at me before starting again. I mean... Oh, the age thing? (laughs) Okay, I admit, I am a little weirded out by the whole idea of a 33-year-old, but, I mean, I'm a big girl, okay? Uh, it's, It's cool. We exchanged smiles as we silently agreed upon an unspoken understanding. I knew that he was trying to explain more to me and that the age thing wasn't the only or the top thing on his list. I wanted him to know that it was all good. He didn't need to explain anything to me. So he gave up on trying to clarify things and simply smiled at me. Then he kissed me on the forehead, turned, and opened the door. See you later. Love you he said without waiting to hear me say it back before the door was closing. My eyes followed him as he left the house, passing by the men working at the periphery of the property. He stopped for a brief moment to say a few words to Gideon while inspecting the wall construction before heading to his car. My father knew nothing of Gideon's and my time together outside the wall. Before turning back to his job, Gideon happened to catch eyes with me standing in the doorway. 
He gave me a cordial smile and nodded, and I returned the sentiment. Maybe my wall would come down someday, but for now, the best option was to reinforce it and hope for decent weather. At my ripe age of old enough to know better, but too young to care, I was learning to accept that age is more than just a number. It's life's way of counting you in or counting you out. TK learned this the hard way and lived to tell me about it that evening when we met for dinner at Busboys and Poets. Uh, you hungry? She asked, probably rhetorically and probably sarcastically, as she watched me for a moment as I tore into the meatless sandwich made with a portobello substitute in front of me. Oh, God, yes, I am starving. I was running around all day scouting locations with this new director for your video shoot next month, which is going to be amazing, by the way. Then I got the contracts back for a couple of big shows in the spring, which I was able to negotiate double what our asking fee was last year this time. Thank you. You can thank me later. Whatever. And then I had to finish up some boring stuff. You know, the usual phone calls, emails, tweet this, Facebook that, Insta that. So, yeah, busy day. But, I mean, that's every day. So, how about you? I asked, finally. And she took her time, taking a deep, contemplative breath before saying, Well, I didn't quit my job today, so... What? I don't... I don't understand. Were you supposed to? She thought about it, and thought about how exactly she was going to put this, and she said, It's that... It's that damn rapping teacher can't get them out of my head. I mean, I get it. I know that this takes time, but I don't have that kind of time. (laughs) I snickered because I knew she was still thinking about that guy, but I didn't think that it was to this extent. I listened as she went on. So at first, I kept telling myself, when do you stop? I mean, like, at what point? Is it 35? Is it 40? I can't imagine still trying to make it as a rapper when I'm 50. I'm sorry. Look, if it's your dream, you never give up. Ask that rapping teacher, I teased. Too soon, perhaps, because TK's expression said that she didn't find any of this funny. She went on. So I went to the principal last week and handed her my resignation letter. And instead of just accepting it, she gave it back to me and reminded me why I was still working there. Which is? I asked. (sighs) I've been working with you doing music now for what, four, five years? We've had some moderate success, but music is still what I do in my spare time. I haven't truly committed to making music the thing that I do with my life. So I couldn't quit my job. And now that's what I've been thinking about ever since. When do you start? When does everything else become secondary and you start being who you say you want to be? 
Well, who do you say you want to be? I don't. That's the thing. I've I've never said it. I just been doing music, but I don't even know if I have a vision. You have a vision. You have a vision. You just scared because you know it doesn't include standing in a classroom, but the classroom is such a convenient paycheck. It's what you're used to and what you've relied on for security. It's safe. But sometimes, I said, taking a sip of water first. Sometimes security can be it can be overrated. But I can promise you <laughs> you won't be in a classroom when you're 35, trust me. <sighs> she sighed with a smile, feeling more sure about this now that I'd said something. It was as if hearing me provided some type of confirmation for her. I guess that's also what I'm there for. That, too, is part of my job. Honestly, I see myself being one of the greats, she revealed. It's like Lauren, Latifah, and TK. And so, you've said it, start, I told her. Be, be great. She stared at me while I just continued to eat. Maybe she wanted a little more. Could it really be that easy? Was probably what she was thinking. No, it likely wouldn't be that easy. I mean, greatness is the result of process. True greats, whether in sports, arts, math, science, they all embrace the process. The practice, the rewrites, the redos, the failed attempts, the misfires, the miscues, the studying, the long nights, the bad days, and so on, and so on, and so on. And then they become great as a result. Look, no one gets to nine Super Bowls and wins six and becomes the greatest of all time without being a process person. TK's eyes glazed over as she stared into the table, contemplating. I could see her mentally digesting the idea of our discussion, perhaps visualizing her starting point. First thing Monday morning, TK will walk back into Principal Marks's office, sit down, and inform her of the plan to finish out this semester teaching world history, but that it would be her last. Later that evening, I'll have a dinner date, which I'll stay committed to this time, with my father and Manuel, an olive-complected, lean, handsome surgical resident at the hospital where he worked. The 33-year-old he was seen. Yes, my father is gay. But this isn't new to me. I've had about nine years to live with this fact. He came to me when I was 18, just after he and my mom revealed their pending split, and told me a little more about himself than, than I was expecting. Although, apparently, him being gay wasn't the catalyst for their split after 20-plus years together just as, I guess, their breakup wasn't the catalyst for my mother's and my fractured relationship either. 
I suppose big things are oftentimes the result of a whole bunch of little things. And that was certainly the case with her and I. But that is a story for another time. Anyway, even though he was out and free to just be, he never was. He never consistently dated and never had a relationship, at least not one serious enough to bring home to meet me, until now. So, although he was who he was, I just never had the chance to reconcile my knowledge with evidence. But all of that was irrelevant as I was being introduced to a guy 20 years his junior as his new partner. Orientation aside, <laughs> seeing my parent with someone nearly my age was, it was just plain bizarre to me, I'll admit. Now, that was something that would take some serious getting used to. But being a big girl, I guess it was doable. It was John Lennon who wrote, Life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. He was 20 years old when he sang that. Now that I think about it, I wonder if he was talking about all the plans we're allegedly supposed to make in order to become a proper grown-up. Business plans, family plans, career plans, contingency plans, or even life plans. See, I was trying to adopt the habit of letting life be life. Because I would hate to think that real, untethered living only comes with youth, and that with age, all you have is plans. There is so much I want, so much I want to achieve, such a specific me I desperately want to be. Of course, I have years to accomplish all of that, but I always feel like time is running out on me and that other folk my age are light years ahead of me that I haven't accomplished and haven't made the right plans to accomplish all of what I want to be. Hence, the plight of the typical millennial. My portobello sandwich and fries were gone in minutes. And as I sat there with TK in that restaurant thinking about all of this, I couldn't help but notice all of the people all around us of all ages, all of whom were once babies who didn't give a care about any of the things I pondered, and many of whom would grow old and, again, not give a care about any of this stuff. That is the cycle. And somewhere in there, we can only do our best to make a life worth telling stories about with people worth making stories with. So right then, perhaps one of those inexplicable cues from the universe, I was suddenly consumed by the intoxicating aroma of chocolate. So Lennon was definitely onto something. Life can't be planned. And since that's the case, the very same might be said about love.
episode of Of Music and Men was written and produced by me, Kayana, with express permission and the help of some of the most incredible indie artists in the world. So we started off the episode with Biciesto from Hirakuch. Then we followed that up with Hidden Trails by Broken Summer. And then we had Undone by the one and only Mona Wanderlich. Of course, Mona Wanderlich has had great presence in the Of Music and Men series. So this isn't the first song you've heard by Mona Wanderlich, but I hope you like this one just as much. Look to the Future by Mike Leche followed that up. And Borealis, we had a Scott Buckley. Borealis is by Scott Buckley. Normally we use Scott Buckley's music in the word of the show, but this particular track is not so much music, but more so sound. Uh, Scott's so talented that I wanted to include his music a little bit earlier and for a different reason. So check out Borealis there and Scott Buckley's website. All of the stuff will be linked up in the show notes. And then this song, the credits, is called Call Me by Liquid. I just recently discovered Liquid and I love pretty much everything that I'm hearing. So good job. Keep up the good work. And then the word of the episode, which you know comes after the credits. I hope you've been listening to the word because we have some good words for the show. So we'll have some good words today and... uh We'll have some good words today, and the track that's under the word of the episode is Valiant by Jay Jen and Pratt Zap. All of this, again, if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, pardon me, but all of this again will be linked up in the show notes for you. Now, if you would like to have your music featured on the show, check out our website for more information on how you can submit. Of Music and Men, of course, is so much more than just a podcast. Not that there's anything wrong with just being a podcast, but we're more than that, okay? The novella series is available in online bookstores. And if you wish to have yourself a physical copy, you can get that. It's on our website at ofmusicandmen.com, where you can also get t-shirts and other cool merch. Don't forget to subscribe at Apple, Stitcher, or wherever it is you're listening to your podcast. And please remember, rate and review. I would love to hear what you think. Lastly... But of course, this probably should have come first because the people over at Patreon, I, I'm growing in the Patreons right now. So the patrons, that is. People over at Patreon getting some good free stuff that you, I'm not even going to tell you what it is. You got to be a patron in order to know what it is. So lastly, connect with us on Patreon where you can become a part of this journey, a part of this project and this journey and everything that it was meant to be. Actually help it grow to everything it was meant to be. And the patrons know what I mean. They're getting updates from me on a weekly basis. They're getting stuff early. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I want to say about that. But anyway, make sure to share this some way, somehow with at least one of your friends. And follow Of Music and Men everywhere online at Of Music and Men. And when you do, you know, please don't hesitate to reach out. Artists and entrepreneurs are a very unique type. I mean, we face lots of rejection, almost too often for comfort. So whether you're a seasoned business owner or creator, aspiring to be one, or you are simply just here to hear a great story, I always want to give you something to ponder until next time. Today's word is from Winston Churchill. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. In times like these, those couldn't be truer words. 
Now, I don't know where you're listening from, but I'm recording in Washington, D.C., in the United States of America. Known to be perhaps the most powerful city in the world, but we've been going through the same thing that pretty much every other country and every other city has been going through. We're all the same right now. But if there's a bright side to what the entire world is going through right now is that you get to see people who are giving more than perhaps they would normally give and not focusing so much on what they can get out of a situation. And although it's unfortunate that it takes a tragedy and a worldwide tragedy at that in order for our true selves to shine through, I want to always be grateful for the things that I do have, the opportunities that I have uh, as a person and a citizen of the United States of America. But at the same time, I want to make sure that I'm living the life that I really want to live, actually living a life at all. And I think that that is defined by giving, giving time, giving love. And when you can, yes, giving money. But not all of us are in position to do that. So just make sure that you are treating your neighbors just as you would have them treat you. And again, I know that this is just a piece of entertainment in the grand scheme of things, not as important uh, as food or water or shelter or anything like that. But I really do hope that what I'm giving you here is something that uh, you value, something that brings you joy, brings you laughter, brings you to tears if that's what you want. Uh, from your entertainment, but I really hope that this is bringing you something. It definitely brings me joy to give it to you, so I hope that you're getting joy from receiving it. <laughs>